So this is my true joy and honor right now is to introduce who God has spoken a very special message to and who's gonna share it with us. So it's my joy and honor to introduce Ellie Thieland. Yes, yes. Now, I don't know what comes first when you meet Ellie, whether it's that contagious, like energetic enthusiasm that grabs you or if it's the laughter that comes first. <laughs> But she's a strong force in forging community among women. Uh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit through her breaks things, that laughter, it just it strongholds fall off through it. And Ellie, if you've known her at all, her, her heart's cry, the first thing she says is, what can I do to help? Mm. And so if you have the gift of service, that that is what you feel as well. And she exudes this in the most beautiful way. So, and it's not just, she does this out of overflow. It's with her family. It's in ministry. It's in her personal life. And so what she's gonna bring you tonight is in that quiet space, the time that she spends with the Lord, she's gonna overflow that and share that with us today. So to know Ellie is to love her and to loose those strongholds and fits of laughter. <laughs> so buckle your seats, ladies. Like Ellie, the Holy Spirit's put Ellie at the wheel and we are gonna go and we're gonna have some fun. And we're the only ladies, I think, up here who haven't been pregnant. Well, we've been pregnant. <laughs> but we certainly not are pregnant. white. No, no, not anymore. So if you would stand and welcome and um, give your gratitude towards Ellie, who's touched our lives. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so Father, thank you for Ellie. Thank you for just her heart. Thank you for everything that she carries. Holy Spirit, come. Just flow naturally through her. Open our hearts to receive all that you have. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. Well, hello. Okay, I'm feeling a little formal, and I am not a very formal person. So, just gonna shake a little bit. Anyway, all right, my name is Ellie, and I, I love this church. I have found this church, and it has helped me grow and be equipped in so many ways. But I wanted to introduce myself a little bit. I am an amazing wife to, <laughs> to my husband, who's running the soundboard back there. Yes. Um, so I also have three amazing kids, and I love them dearly. They are amazing humans running for the kingdom, but I also would love to shoot them with a Nerf gun at any possible chance that I get because they're just children. So, <laughs> but um, And something I wanted to share with you. So the Holy Spirit moves in me, and when, um, when it moves in me, a lot of times I cry. So in preparation for this. A lot of tears are shed, so just, just get ready. <laughs> there might not be any tears left, but, but here we are. Okay, so the title of my talk is called Walking in Confidence. Okay, now you might look at me right now and think, wow, she's a really confident person. Or maybe you've seen me around and you, you think she exudes confidence. And I can assure you that this is, this is not how I started. 
When I was um, little, I uh, would perform for my family, but I definitely was the wallflower. You could not have paid me to stand up here and talk to anyone, uh, let alone teach something to anyone. And then, guess what? I became a teacher. <laughs> so, um, so that was kind of one of the steps into my growing. But all right, so we're going to talk about four points uh, today in our in my talk. Four main points, and um, I want to share with you what I am confident in. I am for sure confident that I have a savior. I am for sure confident that I am a daughter in Christ. And I am for sure confident that the only reason I can stand here and talk to you today is because of the miraculous tale that made that happen. I am not confident without Jesus. I am not confident without him. The only reason I am here is and talking to you is because of the Lord. So, I wanted to give you a background story. Um, um, as a little one, I went to church. I was a good kid. I really was a people pleaser, did not ruffle a lot of feathers. And I enjoyed going to church. I, in fact, had an amazing youth group, and some of those friends are here tonight. Um, really strong relationships that way. But I would not say that I was dying and living for Jesus. No one at school would have known that. Um, they would have known maybe that I went to church, but I was not exemplifying it. Um, I was very much a performance-based person. So if I did not do well, my worth was really low. And if I, and so let me back up. In high school, I danced at SCPA, the School for Creative Performing Arts. And so your performance was on display all the time, every day. And if I didn't do well, whether it be in my studies, with my family, um, any, any, any performance, I was just really hard on myself. So um, other people's opinions of me really shaped who I was. And I can tell you, I put on a really good facade. I was depressed. I was, had so much anxiety, my belly was full of anxiety. It was not full of food. So I, this led me to an eating disorder when I was in high school. And um, I would dance for two hours a day for five days a week. And I'd eat and drink a high C juice box and a granola bar. And because my anxiety was so high, I'd come home and I'd push around my food and not really eat anything, much to my mother's chagrin. But, um, and then this just amplified uh, whenever I had to give speeches or anything of the sort at school. So I would, <laughs> in my 11th grade, I had to give a persuasive speech. And the topic that I chose was uh, divorce should be a last resort. I cried through the entire speech, through the entire speech so badly that my friends afterwards came up and were like, we had no idea your parents were getting a divorce. And I 
just went along with it, like, yeah, they are. But they weren't. They were not getting a divorce, you know? <laughs> but I sh sh would shake, and I could not think about anything else except how poorly I had done. Um, my family history, part of it, uh, my dad had a major mental breakdown when I was about four years old. And I have uh, three older siblings and a younger sibling. And so I heard a lot of negative self-talk, just uh, really putting yourself down, not really lifting yourself up. Not necessarily straight to me, but around me. And so I just would also put those on. Also, on top of that, I am a highly sensitive person. So, some might say emotional. My friend this week told me, I am not an emotional person. I am not run by emotions, but I am sensitive. I pick up things. I hear things. I'm really good at reading a room. I'm really good at, at looking at and seeing maybe what people need. But I, when I was in an unhealthy space, I would take that and flip it because I'd hear the devil, the enemy, saying to me, they didn't say that about you. So if someone else gave praise to a friend, I automatically flipped that to myself. I must not have succeeded. They didn't say anything about me. So there's more performance for you. So I just had a lot of negative self-talk. So now that you have a background picture of, you know, little bits of, how, of, of where I came from, um, I would like you to stand up so that we can read Romans 8 together. We're going to read this scripture, and I will read it out loud, and I hope you can follow along with me, because it's kind of lengthy. But, um, yeah, just follow along. Before, before I read any scripture, I like to pray. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to breathe on this scripture, help it sink into our minds and sink into our hearts, and just we just really ask you to pinpoint and highlight things that each one of these women need to hear. Okay, so Romans 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads you to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us with who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. For that's why those are, who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you ha have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. 
and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we also must share his suffering. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Or the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Amen. All right. So now you can sit down. <laughs> I was going to have you read part of it, but that was a lot. So, all right. So confidence, confidence in the world's view, worldly confidence is a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. So it can look like this. It can look like me right now. It can look like body positivity. It can look like being an influencer. It can look like pride. It can be harmful, humble, nonchalant. Confidence to the world can look really good. And I'm not saying, don't hear me say that if people are confident, they don't love Jesus and they're using it worldly. I'm just saying that maybe they're not using it for his glory. So um, <clears throat> that kind of confidence is not built up and will not sustain. That kind of confidence is fleeting. It doesn't stick. So um, <clears throat> when I was a performance-based person, I had a measuring stick, and my measuring stick did not measure up to anyone else's, none of it. So I am very lucky and blessed that I don't have to measure up to any of your sticks. I don't have to measure up to anybody's stick. The only stick I need to measure up to is Jesus' stick. So that's who you need to be, okay? I can't do what Jess or Jen and Stephanie just did. I can't do that. I'm not limited. I'm walking fully in my lane where God has asked me, and that totally gets rid of comparison when we can follow into our lane and not in someone else's lane. So my first point that I want to talk to you about is confidence in the Lord. Your confidence in the Lord is knowing your full identity and knowing your inheritance. 
So in the first verse of Romans, it says there is no combination for those that belong to Jesus. Who do you belong to? Do you belong to other people's opinions? Do you belong to your own opinions? Who do you belong to? So let me read that verse again. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. If I don't first know where I stand as a daughter, what is, what is mine as a child of God? How on earth am I going to be able to accept the inheritance if I don't know where it's coming from? So if I can't, in, I can't inherit anything that I don't take ownership of. So um, my earthly father was a man. Um, I love him dearly. Uh, but he, in, before his mental breakdown, he was controlled by the spirit of control. Absolutely. And he is a details person. He uh, loves to be in the logistics. Guess who else likes to do that? Me. So um, my father says that his, he doesn't believe that Jesus or that God gave him depression, but he does believe that he took his depression and completely flipped it. My mother, my father is the most compassionate person now, and I get to inherit that characteristic from him. I don't, I, I do like details, I really do. They make this kind of stuff happen, but I don't have to inherit the details that make micromanaging happen and that are toxic. I get to inherit the compassion and the other characteristics that my father now has because he's following Jesus. Um, so confidence in the Lord is knowing your full identity and knowing what you get to inherit because of that identity. My second point is walking in confidence means we let the Holy Spirit lead our mind to life and peace. So every day, it says every day we get to die of ourself and live freely by letting the Spirit lead us. We can't just do that dying thing without coming to him and being really vulnerable about the things that we are committing in sin. So having full confidence in the Lord is being able to come to Jesus and tell him the really yucky things that nobody else wants to hear or that you don't feel like you can say. And that even means coming to him and saying, I'm really sorry for lying to myself. So in verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. 
So there are lots of things that I can consider being sinful in nature that I have done myself. And I have committed many of them throughout my life, even after giving my life to Jesus. But they did not lead to peace. So if we look at the Ten Commandments that were given to us by Moses, I have committed at least eight of those sins, at least. And you can find lots of other sins that are described in the Bible, but that's just some of them. Okay, so who here has ever told a lie? Okay, and not just to others, who's told a lie to themselves? All right, so did you know one of the commandments, one of the 10 commandments is do not bear false witness. You should not be lying. And that includes to yourself. Yeah, who's your best witness? Is it you? When Paul says sinful nature, he is also referring to lying to yourself. Walking confidently means that you have to admit some level of vulnerability to the sin you're committing, where you're trying to walk competently on your own and not because of him. That's the real sin. When we walk in our competence and not God's competence, guess what walks in? Comparison, pride, envy, and then anxiety, depression. All of those things go hand in hand. So when we were walking in our sinful nature, those are the things that we get to receive. We know what's best, right? And once we start down that road, we're headed towards destruction. So, but if the Lord leads us, and we let the spirit move in us, we walk in what? Life. We get to walk in abundant life. We get to walk in peace. Okay? So here's some of the lies that I've believed. These are some of the lies that, um, that I, sometimes I still struggle with. Ellie, you are a horrible dancer. Yes, right? <laughs> Not so much now, okay? But <laughs> um, no one needs to hear this message today. No one likes you. You're a horrible mom that can't even relate to your children. I'm a horrible friend because I can't even remember my friend's birthdays or their small things that are important to them. No one would want you to write anything. Why would they want to read anything you had to write? You're not amazing. They are only saying you're amazing to be nice to you. I have an undesirable body. I'm a horrible wife. They think I'm a goody-goody and can't relate to them. I could go on. I've got lots of them. So verse 7 says, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Do you know when you tell yourself a lie and you commit to it, you are being hostile to God. You are letting that lie be part of you. God created you. How dare you? How dare you? What gives you the right to let something else move in authority in you. 
You're a daughter of the king. You are his glorious inheritance. You are righteous, you are holy, and you are confident because of Jesus. Verse 15 says, you received God's spirit when he adopted you and called you his own. We are already automatically adopted into his inheritance when we say yes to Jesus. There's no other rule about it. We get to robe ourselves with dignity. We get to robe ourselves with competence from the Father. We get to robe ourselves because he was, and he still is a loving enough father, even though you've been so hostile to yourself and to him. He will still take you. And you are not a consolation prize. You are set apart. You are picked. You are loved. Deuteronomy 32.8 says, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all of mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted inheritance. And in a desert land, when you are feeling horrible, he found you. In a barren and howling waste, he shielded you and cared for you and guarded you as the apple of his eye. We are his inheritance, and he watches over us, guarding us as he guards his own eyes. Why would he do that? If we were meant to believe those lies that we've decided are better than the truth that he's put in us. Verse 17 says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs, that we even get to share in his glory. I want to ask you something. How many things have been stolen from you, have been taken from you, because you had more confidence in the lie that the enemy was giving you than the truth from the Father? Maybe it was something you wanted to do. Maybe it was something you wanted to be. Maybe it was a book you wanted to write, a business you wanted to start. Or maybe it's even just having the desire to live in peace. I want to say to you today, you can move in those things. They are available to you right now. If you are finding opposition in any area of something that feels so deep in your heart that you're supposed to do it, I am willing to bet that it was placed down in your heart from God. He created you. We have to stop being hostile to what God has called us to do, and we have to lay down the self-competence, and we have to pick up our daughtership. Okay, <clears throat> point three. In order to walk confidently, we have to reject the lies and replace them with truth through the power of discernment. So discernment is a big word. It's something that means um, the ability to judge really well. My husband is very good at discerning. He's imparted that to me. 
And so how do we do that? How do we know what's a lie? How do we know what's truth? How do we get to weigh that? Guess what? God laid it out in the Bible for us. If we look in Philippians chapter four, six through eight, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. There are lots of other scriptures that point us to discernment. But I have found when I'm stuck in a moment of not sure, like, ooh, what was that? Was that a lie? If I come back to that verse and ask myself, is it true? Is it really true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it lovely? Is it pure? And I'm not asking myself. I'm asking God. That's how I know if it's a lie or if it's truth. I can ask my spirit these questions, and if it's a lie, guess what? My peace is automatically restored to me. And just like that, he, he says, we need to be in a time of prayer. You cannot hear from him if you're not talking to him. So not just in a time of spouting off all your needs, which is also something we all need to do. We also ask him for things for sure. But we need to be thanking him and and thinking on things that are praiseworthy. He doesn't want to hear the detestable things that I've said about myself. He'll listen because he's a good father, but that's not who he's made me to be. So another point of discernment is you need to be surrounding yourselves with other people who are also in the word, okay? There are lots of times where if I speak a lie, my friend will call me out on it. And you need friends that are not just going to tell you what's best for you. You need friends that want what God wants for you. You need friends that are gonna tell you really hard things and being in the word. And the most encouraged, I, I love words. Lo, words are my love language. But the most encouraging and long-lasting encouragement that I've ever gotten from friends, guess what? They have scripture tied with it. Those are the things I remember. So when I'm not walking in confidence, my spirit knows it. And my friends around me can see it. And you, you know, even... I was talking with Deb um, at her kitchen table, and I just got really vulnerable and said, you know, we have so many confident women in this church. Do they even need to hear this? And she was like, that's a lie. That's a lie straight from the pit, and you don't believe it. And I was like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> but if she hadn't, I, 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 I knew it wasn't supposed to be there, but she was able to call me out and say, that's not right. That is a lie. There are lots of confident women here. And you know why they're confident? They walk with the spirit. That is why they're confident. Not because of their own self-competence. So as you continue to put this strategy into practice of testing whether it's honorable and pure, you're going to have that chance today. You, your discernment is going to grow. You're going to exercise this skill, and your spirit is going to be, you, don't, you won't need a friend to say, that's not right. The more you do this, the more you test this out, the more you're going to tighten your harness, and you are going to carry your daughtership even more. You're going to just say, oh, no thank you. My friend, if she hears a lie, she says, get behind me, Satan. Okay, so there are lots of things you can do to say no thank you to the lie. That's not for me. So the more preemptive you are and not reactive, you'll certainly hold down your fort of confidence. So when we tighten our harness, we've been given tools to help us. If we don't give ourselves any training, if we don't exercise our spirit, it can't be at the ready. And Satan will work hard at taking that from you. So something we're going to do right now is we're going to take this sheet of paper and we're going to debunk some of the lies. Now I have one more talking point after we do this exercise, but I'm going to walk you through this. So if you did not grab a piece of paper, there are still some back at that table, back by the, the door we all came in. And we're gonna look at this, this side. So I'm going to help you move through this. Don't jump ahead to um, anything until I ask you to do it, okay? So we're going to have some quiet music playing here in just a minute. But on your paper, well, before we do this, I just want to pray. So Lord, I thank you for the power of discernment. I thank you for that spirit. I ask it to just fall and rest on each of these ladies so they know what you really want them to hear and replace those lies with your truth. In Jesus' name. So what we're going to do is you're going to think about some of those really vulnerable things that God, or that, that the enemy has said to you some of those really twisted things. And you're going to write them down. And then you're going to go through the list. Are these true? Are these honorable? Are they right? Are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they admirable? And if they aren't, I want you to cross them out. Okay? So we're going to take a couple minutes to do this, about three minutes.
Okay. So <clears throat> I'm sure that writing those down, that could be hard. That's not something to, you know, think lightly of when we write down horrible things that we've thought about ourselves. But um, there's this beautiful song. It's called The Dad Song. Um, and I want you to sit here and I want you to think about what, uh, this is a song sung to you from the Father. So I want you to think about those lies and what he wants to say about those lies instead. Don't write anything down yet. I just really want you to sit and listen to the song.
Okay, so what does God say about those lies? Let's take a minute to write those down. So those <clears throat> truths, I, I really hope he spoke some really big, I, I know he spoke really big truths to you in that moment. And now you have already exercised your spirit. You have already tapped in and exercised, and the next time a lie comes, you can do that. That's something you can take with you. So you need to be reading your Bibles in order to do that. You need to be able to make space for it. So something I struggle with is um, any, any form of memorizing. Memorizing is not something that comes easy to me. I have a form of comprehension dyslexia. And um, I still cannot throw away the box of mac and cheese that I have made 400 times because I can't remember the steps. <laughs> so, and I can't remember the directions to places where I've gone. I just, I'm memorizing is not in my wheelhouse. But I was feeling like I wanted to switch up my devotional time. I, I was following the same plan that I kind of had done. And I was like, Lord, I really feel like I'm stuck. I feel stagnant. What can I do? Um, and he said to me, how about memorizing Psalm 91? Now, <laughs> thinking about memorizing Psalm 91 and telling you it without looking at something, that creates so much anxiety in me. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. But I wanted to give you a preface for some, when, when you move into something that you're uncomfortable with, he's right there to meet you. Okay? So I, in order to remember things, I have to, I have to read them, and then I have to write them down and I have to read it again, and I have to write it down. I love reading. I love reading for information. I love reading all kinds of things, but it takes me a lot longer 
to process things. So I used to believe that um, I wasn't a good student. I used to believe that I wasn't smart. And that's just not the case. A lie that I believed for years was that I couldn't memorize scripture. And so something, so as a teacher, I'm speaking with my teacher voice right now. As a teacher, something good readers really do is they make connections from one thing you read to another. It like helps you recall, it helps you experience it. So something, that's something that good readers do. So in memorizing Psalm 91, part of that was taken, and when I was reading a different part of the Bible, it, it connected. It said, uh, so Psalm 91 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So when I read my Bible, I tend to fixate on things, and what stood out to me was, wow, what does his shadow look like? And where is it? It's in him, it's his shelter. That's what it says. It's the only place we can find rest is in his shadow. Your peace is rest. We can have peace in trouble. We have access to peace all the time. We make the choice to access the peace or not. But peace can be a state of being in a choice. If I'm not providing a space to notice the shadow or the shelter, if I'm not showing up to it, if I'm not looking for it, how can I even rest? I know some of you, especially this past week, you probably loved the sun and the heat and the excruciating temperatures. I do not. I do not like it one bit. So in this case, we're going to assume that the sun is hot and sweaty and humid and you don't like it. Like, you know, okay. So we're just going to assume that for this. If you do not, even if you like the sun, if you do not put sunblock on and then you go out and you stand in the sun, you're going to get burnt. If you don't prepare your hammock in the shade, you will rest in the sun. And that's not very restful to me. I stink and I sweat and it's, it's, that's not restful to me. So my fourth point is walking in confidence means we have to rest in the shade. Maybe in order for you to fully rest and make space in your word, in his word, you have to get, I don't know, a full night's sleep. Wouldn't that be nice? Maybe you need a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> maybe you need to start with a song. And maybe you need to get up before everybody else. Maybe you need to stay up later than everybody else. Whatever it is, if you aren't preparing for it, you can't rest. If you are not making space for it, you cannot rest. So the connection that was made for me was in James. So I, I read James the other day and it said, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. 
So the sun moves and it makes your shadow shift. His does not move. His shadow, for you to rest in, his shelter is there all the time. If I had not read and tried to memorize Psalm 91, James, that would not have stuck out to me. I would not have made that connection. When we are fully rested, you get to feel confident, equipped, and lies can't come in. What an awful state it would be to have to sit in that sun all the time. What an awful state that must be. Guess what? He's there. He is lovingly there. He is constant, always available and ready for us to rest. He just wants to carry you. He really does. But you have to, you have to make the advance. So why is having confidence from the Lord, why is that even important? What's it even for? Is it for me? If I am so preoccupied with everyone else's opinions and measuring sticks, I cannot occupy what God wants me to do. God wants to use each of us. God can do things without me, obviously, but if I don't walk in my lane where he's asked me to walk and carry my daughtership and know that the spirit is the one that's supposed to be leading me and I don't reject those lies and I don't tell myself the truth, you can't have confidence. We're made confident and competent because of him. If you aren't in the shade, your confidence will flee. God wants to replace all the weak things about you and make you whole. When I don't feel confident, it's because I haven't been in the shade. I am not, if I'm not in his word, giving him space and opportunity for me to heal, it can't happen. So, That's what these little umbrellas are about, okay? God really wants you to just be in the shade. He really wants to be with you. So I kind of want you to walk through a, a sensory experience a little bit. Um, trees, they can provide shade, right? And on your paper, you have a picture of a tree on the back side. We're gonna take a couple minutes to talk about the shade, but not just to yourself, okay? So you're gonna run through this on your own. So let's look at the paper. So out here, outside of the shade, in the elements, not under his shade, what do you hear, what do you see, what are, what are you feeling? and take a few minutes to write down what you notice. And then, once you're done with that, look under the shade. Now, what can you focus on? What can you hear now that you're cool? And write that down. And then the last part is the little box. What is keeping you from moving in the shade? A lot of times, 
We just, we want to get in the shade, but there's something limiting us. So I want you to figure out what that is. We're gonna take about five minutes to do this total. Go ahead. 